All right. Welcome, you guys. Um, so uh, let's, uh, let's pray. Lord God, we thank you for Jesus. Thank you for uh, salvation in, in Christ, the light of the world, that uh, he, is, um, he is in us and with us. Um, and uh, through the Holy Spirit, which we're talking about tonight, and we just pray that um, um, that Holy Spirit, your Spirit, would, would uh, uh, work in us, uh, in our midst, to help us to learn, uh, help us to uh, discuss well, and go away with um, um, good things to think about and apply in our lives uh, so that we can better follow you than we, than we did before we came. So we commit this time into your hands. Amen. All right, guys, let's, um, you got your sheets there? Everybody got a, everybody got a handout deal? Okay. Um, so this is, this is number three. So we talked about, um, what have we talked about so far? Hey, there they are. Come on in. Let's see, em- Emily. No, Emily and Daniel. Is that right? Gotcha. Okay. Um, so what have we talked about so far? Throw one out. The Holy Spirit. That's what I like. I like, I like answers like that. Jesus, the Bible, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We started out with, um, with the Holy Spirit and how the Holy Spirit is, is, is God himself, uh, one of the members of the Trinity, um, and this little, this little guy here. Can't read my writing, that's... You have to ask my wife to translate it for you. She's the only one that can read my writing. So, um, yeah, the Holy Spirit is one of the three persons in the Trinity. He's God, along with the Father and the Son, but he is not the Father and he's not the Son. He's, he's his own person. He's his own personality. So we studied about that. Um, and then um, uh, what else did we talk about? Okay. So we talked about the scriptures as the main tool of the Holy Spirit in, in all that he does in our lives and in everything he does, the main tool. Um, and then we talked about the purpose. What's the main purpose of the Holy Spirit? To glorify Christ. Specifically, I mean God, yes, but specifically he loves to glorify Christ. So... Um, that's kind of a summary there. So now, tonight, we want to talk about um, salvation, uh, the Holy Spirit's role in, in our salvation. And uh, we can talk about that in terms of uh, before. Salvation, at the point of salvation. I'll sig- signify that by the cross. And then after. So we'll kind of just summarize some of that stuff tonight. 
Um, so quite, let's start out with this question. When do, when do you receive the Holy Spirit, or when does he come to indwell you? The point of salvation. Does he do anything before that? Or is that kind of your first contact with the Holy Spirit when he comes and indwells you? Or is he doing something in people's lives before salvation? What do you think? He reveals truth. He draws us. Okay. Brings conviction. Okay. Yeah, good. Um, so we will, let's just talk about that. Let's see what the scripture says. Um, you're on track, you guys. Let's start with 1 Corinthians 2.14. Somebody, somebody read that for us. Okay, what does this have to say about the Holy Spirit's role before salvation? How does that help us to answer the question, what does he do? Okay, why? Why is that important according to this verse? Okay, yep, doesn't make any sense. I, I, I know that was true in my own life. Before, you know, be, before, um, be, before the Spirit came in and started working in my life, I mean, it, you know, it doesn't make much sense. And you can talk to people, and it makes a lot of sense to you, and it's speaking to you, and it seems really logical and everything, but the natu- to the natural man, it's like, you guys believe this? this is nuts. This is crazy stuff, you know? So um, it's the Holy Spirit that has to break, break through that. Let's look at John 16, 7 through 10. Somebody read that one. Okay, so what does this Holy Spirit do before salvation according to this verse or these verses? Reveals sin, yep. Reveals sin. And then there's that word there, um, in, in my translation, which I think is important too, um, the C word, convict. Um, what, what's that mean? What is conviction of sin? What is that? Explain that.
and they, and they feel that. Because you know something's wrong. Oh, yeah, I know it's wrong to do this, but, hey, you know, I'm making money. <laughs> you know, I know lying's not good, but I'm making a lot of money. Um, but uh, the, the conviction is, man, I'm lying. Man, I don't like that. That's, that's not a good thing. That's conviction, okay? So it's the Holy Spirit that can, you know, you can read a book and learn about all the stuff that's not right. And some of it you agree with, some of you won't. But um, it's the Holy Spirit that can bring that real heart conviction, make you realize, whoa, yeah, I don't, that's how I am, and I don't like that, you know. Um, somebody read John 16, 20, 12 to 14, just a little bit farther on there. Okay, so what, is, what does it say the Holy Spirit can do um, even before we're saved here? He can guide us, he can guide us into truth, yeah. And I like that word, you know, to guide, because, you know, when you're, you, you're, you're walking down a, a, a trail and there's different paths you can take, there's different directions your thinking can take or your attitudes or your feelings. And the Holy Spirit can, um, can direct your, your heart and your mind in a way that's going to lead you to Christ. I mean, I see that. I saw that in my life, man, before. I see all this. I saw all this stuff. The Holy Spirit's working in my life before I actually made that decision. God was working. He was doing stuff like that. Um, so, um, so let's put that together with John six forty four. Somebody read that one. <clears throat> so now this doesn't speak about the Holy Spirit; it speaks about the Father. But does that does what we've just talked about make? How does that go together with this? Does it? Does it? Help us to see what's going on in this verse. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. Can you put those ideas together that we just talked about in this verse? Let's talk about the first half. No one can come to me unless, no one can come to me. Okay. What did we just learn? Why is that true? No one can come to me. That, that first part of it. Okay. Well, in that first verse, remember the First Corinthians 2.14. What's that? It doesn't make sense. We're going to, we're, our, our thoughts are always going to take us in the wrong direction. It doesn't make sense, and we're not going to have any conviction of sin. Yeah, we might know things are wrong and think, well, that's not really good, um, but 
I'm going to kind of put up with it because I'm making money or whatever, you know, or because I love her, I'm going to do this. I know that's not quite right, you know. Um, and then our thoughts are going to take all the wrong directions. They're going to tend to take all the wrong directions as we're, as we're seeking out the truth. Um, so, um, so it says very clearly, no one can come to me unless what? Unless we're drawn. The Father who sent me draws him. So who, who does the Father use to draw us? The Spirit. That's what we're talking about, okay? So um, it's the Spirit of the Father, from the Father, that is the one that does that kind of work that draws us, okay? Um, and uh, I like that word, too. It's, it's a drawing. It, it's not... I know some people talk about irresistible grace. I, 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 I picture it more as a drawing, you know, as we think and we, 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 um, um, uh, we go through the experiences of life and the, and the Holy Spirit is there uh, working on us, working, working step by step to bring us to Christ. He's working in our thoughts. He's working in those attitudes about what our life is like. Um, and he's directing, helping us to, take those right turns in our, in our thinking, guiding us into truth. Um, and of course, that includes bringing people our way, our songs, or road signs, or bumper stickers, or um, videos, whatever. Bringing stuff that might influence us in the right direction. He can bring that into our lives as well. So the Spirit does all that kind of stuff before, all right? Praise God for the Holy Spirit. So, 1 Thessalonians 1, 4 through 6, somebody read that. Not, not only... Now this is a cool verse because it's got a lot of it got a, it's got a lot of stuff in there about you know what what brings us to Christ. I mean, he talks about the, the kind of men we prove to be among you. It's the influence, um, not just of the words, but the kind of people that God brings our way that influence us towards towards Christ. He talks about that. Um, he talks about the gospel, the the actual message of salvation. Um, it is word, but it's not only word. He says. But it also came uh, in power and in the Holy Spirit and with full conviction. So there's those words again. So um, it wasn't just words. It was the Holy Spirit working and making this stuff happen and real in the life of the person. Okay. So that's all, that, that's all kinds of stuff that the Holy Spirit does before. Now, he does all that stuff. He doesn't indwell us. That's before he indwells us. That's before we're born again. That's before um, the, the total life change that comes when we, when we get to this point. But he's working. He's working um, in many ways in our lives. So any questions? Is there anything new to you? 
Um, what difference does it make or should it make in our lives? Yeah. Yeah. And it, it it makes us realize we need to pray for them, doesn't it? Because they're not they're not going to do it unless God's working in their lives. Yeah. And then and then you can use some of these things that we just learned to pray very specifically. So, so, God. Um, Help them to, them to understand what is otherwise un, un, not understandable to them. Lord, help them when they when they when they realize what's wrong, what's bad, um, what's sin. Help it to help them to feel that, not just to say, "Okay, yeah, that's wrong." So what? Help them to really feel that that conviction, and, and Lord, just guide their thoughts, guide their thoughts, so that when they as they're thinking, you're leading them in the direction of their thoughts. You know, their thoughts could go this way, or they could go that way, or they could go that way, or, or their feelings, because um, it's all wrapped up, you know. Um, the feelings could go this way, or that way, or that way. The Spirit work in their hearts to direct them into truth. Um, so you can, you can use this as a, as a way to pray for people who you want to uh, come to Christ. Yeah. Anything else? Well, it depends on if you're a Calvinist or not, or no. Um, yeah, in my mind, that's, that's the mystery of the, 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 um, the will of God and the will of human beings, because our responsibility is to decide. I mean, that's clear in the Bible. You've got to make that decision, and it's your decision, and you're held accountable for making that decision or for rejecting Christ. I mean, that there's... You can't read the New Testament and, and not conclude that. So then there's the foreknowledge of God. Um, and so does he foreknow and choose because he knows what your, what your decision is going to be? And he knows that ahead of time? Or does he just randomly say, Amy, you're going to come to Christ. And so you come to, and there's debate about that. I, I, th- I think it's a mystery. Uh, I think there's a mystery there that we'll never understand, and theologians try and put it in this box or this box. I think it's impossible because both things are true. God chooses us, and, and he knows those who are his, and he chooses us before the creation of the world. Um, but at the same time, he gives human beings that responsibility to respond, and it's genuine responsibility. And you have these two sides and it's a mystery. And I think sometimes theologians try and put things in boxes, and so you've got one side that puts it in this box and one side puts it in this box. I don't do that. I just say, I don't know. I just know both things are true, okay? So. Yeah. And again, it comes down to why, you know? Um, 
you would, it, it could be because they, God knows they're not going to make that decision. You know? Or it could be because he just didn't want to choose them. You know? But it says he wants all to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. And he loved, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Ah, so that's what I'm saying. It's a mystery. You know? We'll, we'll figure it out. Maybe. Maybe we never will. Who knows? <laughs> okay, so now let's talk about, so that's before. Let's, let's talk about at this point right here, okay? Um, many of us are familiar with John 1, 11 through 13. Somebody read that for us. Okay, so in these verses, who or what is it that changes a person to become a child of God? Okay, we have to receive Jesus, okay? We have to believe on him. That's our side. And then what? or who actually makes us then a, a child of God. Yeah, it says born of God. I mean, I actually hear it doesn't say the Holy Spirit, does it? It says, who are born not of blood nor the will of flesh or the will of man, but of God. So it's God that, do, that does something special that makes us children of God, not just calls us children of God. We're not just called children of God. We are children of God, okay? We're not just whoever we were before, but now, okay, I'm going to call you a child of God, Steve. No, you have been changed. You've been changed to now become a child of God. That's important. That's an important difference, okay? Now, let's read John 3, 3 through 8. Somebody read that for us. <clears throat> this is a famous passage, too. You know this one. So now in these verses, who is it or what is it that changes a person to make him or her a child of God? Okay, born of the Spirit. Okay, so that's a, that's a famous passage right there. Um, so at, at this point here, so that there's all that work done beforehand, and then there's a, there's a point of 
of, accept, of acceptance and belief. And at that point, um, God does something special, different, amazing, miraculous. He makes us children of God through, through the Holy Spirit. Okay, so it's the Holy Spirit that does that. Um, so let, let, us, let us read now Acts 2, 38 and 39 with that in mind. Somebody read that. Okay, so um, when does somebody receive the Holy Spirit? We started out with that question, to come in and dwell. And what does this verse say? When you, re when you repent and are baptized, okay? Repent and be baptized. Okay, does that... Does that um, Bother anybody that idea of baptism? Repent and be baptized. Nowadays, it's not done at the same time. Yeah, yeah, good answer. Yeah. Um, so um, this can be confusing, but but when you realize, okay, so if I'm preaching here in Fathom, and uh, it's a good evangelistic message, and I say at the end of the message, how many of you want to accept Christ? Raise your hand. Well, in, the, in those days, they didn't say, raise your hand. They said, be baptized. Now, if you're, in a, if you're in a stadium like Billy Graham, you say, anybody want to accept Christ? Come forward and we'll pray for you. Well, in those days, when they said, anybody want to accept Christ, repent and believe, then be baptized. Okay, um, so in, in their time, baptism was the step of stepping into salvation. Nowadays, it's, well, raise a hand or come forward and we'll pray for you or whatever, you know, and then we baptize later. So that's why in the New Testament, you'll see so often, not every time, but so often, baptism and salvation look like it's like this, and that's where people go off track and say, well, it's baptism that saves. No, baptism doesn't save. It's just that that was the step in those days. Just like when you say, pray the prayer. Pray the sinner's prayer, okay? Well, that's what we would say. Pray the sinner's prayer. You know, you're, you're, you're evangelizing one-on-one -on, -one on, on the street, and you get to the end of your presentation and say, you want to accept Christ? Okay, pray, let's pray the sinner's prayer. Well, in those days, they say, be baptized. I mean, you can see it, you know, like, like, like the Ethiopian out there. And the, they were out in the desert. And he said, what are you going to? Well, we got to baptize this guy, you know? <laughs> he didn't say just pray a prayer. He said, we got to baptize this guy. Because that was the step of taking that step into Christ and making that commitment. So that, that's, that's a little side thing on, on baptism. But um, 
The important thing here is that, again, there's the response, our response, repentance and turning to Christ, and then we receive the gift of the Holy Spirit at that point. So something different happens. Before the Holy Spirit is working on us, you might say, at this point, he comes to dwell in us. Okay. Um, And he actually causes us to be born again. Okay. Changes something inside that changes the very nature of who we are and makes us children of God. All right. Galatians 3.2. Somebody else read that. Okay, so there. Um, what caused people to receive the Holy Spirit, according to Paul there? Believing what they heard, the, the gospel, okay? So again, the Spirit's working to get you to that point of belief and repentance. You do that, boom, the Holy Spirit. You receive the Holy Spirit. He comes to indwell you, okay? Titus 3, 4 to 7, somebody read that. And, and read the next one, too. Okay, so it says in verse 5, um, he saved us, God saved us, not by works that we have done, but according to his mercy, and then by what? What's the means there? Well, he talks about the washing of regeneration or the washing of new birth. And that's why they use baptism, because it symbolized that. But um, um, here he's talking about the actual experience of being um, cleansed from your previous way of life through a new birth, okay? Um, And that's what baptism, one of the things baptism symbolizes, baptism symbolizes more than one one thing, um, and I think that's why above, we kind of skipped over that in John 3, he says, who are born of water and the Spirit. Some people, well, what's that water? One thing is the water of regeneration. It's, it's the idea that of us being, and if you think about, I was just reading that in the Old Testament today about the, the, um, the cleansing water that the priests had to use to purify people after they'd become unclean. Um, so it's, it's using that analogy. Um, but it's not a physical water. It's, it's the Holy Spirit that does this. It's the Holy Spirit that makes us clean. It's the Holy Spirit that makes us new. It's the Holy, it says, whom he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ, our Savior. So it's like pouring water upon us. Who, what did he pour out on us? The Holy Spirit, okay, to just soak our lives, okay? That's what, that's what the Holy Spirit does. He just is poured upon us, and, and is to soak up our lives, okay? And we'll talk about the, that idea. It, it's car- carried through in the idea of being filled with the Spirit, okay, later on. All right? So um, so that's, that's when the Holy Spirit comes. So right here, the Holy Spirit does a lot of things to us, for us, to get us to this place of Christ. When we accept Christ through repentance and faith in Christ, the Holy Spirit does something miraculous. He actually indwells us, um, 
and regenerates us, makes us born fresh, born new, okay? So um, that's what the Holy Spirit does. Let, let's ask this question. So then, when does the Holy Spirit leave a believer? If that's when he enters a believer, when does the Holy Spirit leave a believer? John's going like this. Yeah. He doesn't. Okay. Unlike the Old Testament. Okay, we, we, we touched on that when we talked about the difference between the Old and New Testament. Well, and here's where we get some of that stuff. I mean, there are the verses, but this is the main one, Ephesians 1, 13 and 14. Somebody read that. Okay, so you see a pattern here. Here you go again. When you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, okay? So that just kind of runs through all these passages. That's what it is. Um, when that happened, you were, what's, it, what's the word used here? You were what? With the sealed. You were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. And that, that kind of a seal, what kind of a seal? It, it, people know the culture of that day. What do they mean by a seal? Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's an analogy. It's a picture of what? Yeah, yeah, and, and so um, you, would, you would put the, the king, I mean, you've seen it in movies, you know, and you put some wax down there and he goes with his ring or whatever it is, and it's got that special insignia on it. And then that, what's that mean? That means that is, that thing is officially the king's, okay, it belongs to the king. If it's a message, it's a message that came straight from the king. So that means you are sealed. That means the, the Holy Spirit is the mark that you belong to God. You now belong to God. He's put his seal on you. And what is that seal? It's the Holy Spirit, okay? Um. And then it says, but it, he's not only the seal, in verse 14, what else does it say he is? Okay, he's a guarantee or a deposit. Some of the translations say he's a deposit. He's a down payment, okay? Which, what's a down payment mean? What do you do? What's a, how does a down payment work? Okay, so it's, it's part of the whole deal that guarantees that the rest is going to come, all right? And the bigger the down payment, probably the more sure you are, you get a better interest rate, right? Why is that? Because you're more sure if the down payment's big, you know, if the whole thing is this big and your down payment is like this big and there's only this much left, you're going to get a good interest rate, you know? If the whole thing is this big and your down payment is just this little bitty thing, you're going to pay a lot because they're not sure. They're not sure it's going to come out. Well, look at this. What's the down payment? 
the Holy Spirit, God himself. <laughs> so how big is that down payment? It's huge. It's as big as God. So how sure are, you, are we that the rest is gonna come? 100%, you better be. So that's, um, that's, that's it. So that's, that's, that's the answer to that question. When, when does the Holy Spirit leave? He doesn't, okay? He doesn't leave. Um, he, he is the guarantee that what God has begun in you will be completed until the day of Christ, okay? Um, all right, so then you've got a summary here. I just, I just put that down here. Before faith in Christ, the Holy Spirit helps to convict the sin-sickened heart of the unbeliever of its sin. The Holy Spirit helps the sin-darkened heart to understand the gospel. The Holy Spirit helps the sin-hardened heart to respond to the gospel, all right? So that's before. So the Holy Spirit is essential to give the sin-deadened unbeliever the ability to receive Christ in faith, okay? So that's, that's the before. At salvation, <clears throat> the Holy Spirit begins to live in the believer as Christ's presence. The Holy Spirit causes the person to be born again as a new creature, a child of God. The Holy Spirit is then a seal or deposit or down payment on the fullness of salvation yet to come. So that's, that's that. Okay, so questions. And uh, anything new to you? Um, what difference does this or should this make? <laughs> yep. This is it, man. The most important, the the most important um, issue in our lives, and we've got this hundred percent guarantee. Yeah, nothing like it. Nothing like. It. I mean, that's that's the thing. You know, you talk about this stuff. It makes total sense. Why wouldn't? Anybody want this stuff? But it makes no sense to the unbeliever. It's like, what are you talking about? It just, it just doesn't make any sense to me, you know? But it makes total sense to us. The most important issue of life, God has given us that kind of a guarantee, that kind of a deposit, that kind of a down payment. That's amazing. So, yeah, what else? So it should just make us feel like, okay, this is it, man. We're secure. This is it. Thank you, God. <laughs> what else? What difference does it make to you? who we are in Christ. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah.
Yeah, thanks for that word. That's 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 a that's a good word. I, I agree with you. That's right. Um, uh, and, and we'll talk about that. I mean, you think about okay. Let, let's let's just remind ourselves here. The main in all this that we talked about so far, what's the main tool of the Holy Spirit? The Word of God. So, as as this is happening, as this happens, it's the Word of God. That's the prime thing, the Word of God. Now, it might come in various ways. It might come in a book. It might come from spoken words. It might come in a song. It might come whatever. But it's the message of the Word of God, okay? What's the main purpose of the Holy Spirit? To glorify Christ. So as he's working in and for, in you, doing stuff to you before, his purpose is to get you to Christ. That's what he wants. And he'll do anything to get you to Christ. He'll hurt you to heal you. You know? Um, I hope he does. You know? I hope that, that, that he will do anything to get you to Christ. That's what he wants. He's not there to give you a good life. He's not there to make you feel good. He's there to get you to Christ. That's what the Holy Spirit wants. He wants to glorify Christ. He wants a bunch of people following Christ with all their hearts running around this world. That's what the Holy Spirit wants. So that's what he's doing. And then when he gets here, he lives in us to make us like what? Like Christ. Okay, it's just begun then. It's not the end of a journey. Some people think, well, that's the end, man. I'm going to heaven. That's just the beginning. Then the Holy Spirit really starts his work because his, his job is not to get you to heaven. The Holy Spirit's purpose is not to get you to heaven. His purpose is to glorify Christ so that there's a bunch of people that look like Christ roaming around Littleton, okay? So that's what the Holy Spirit is all about, all right? And that's important. Because if we miss that, we're going to be pulling in the wrong direction. We're going to be walking like this, and the Holy Spirit's going, the path I want you is over here. And we're going to be, we'll, we'll talk more about that as we go. Okay, good stuff. Um, just, just, a, just a question. I, I said we'd talk about this. Then who lives in us, Jesus or the Holy Spirit or both? There's a sense in which all of them do, yeah? Mm-hmm. Let's read Romans 8, 9 and 10. Somebody read that. <laughs> it's pretty interesting. Okay, stop right there. If, in fact, the Spirit of God dwells in you. Okay, go ahead. Okay, now it says the Spirit of Christ, okay? And then read verse 10. The Spirit is life because of righteousness. So there you go. There's the mix right there. Is it the Holy Spirit? Is it Jesus? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and um, so... You know, you know, we, we we talk about little kids. Where's Jesus? Well, he's in my heart. Um, 
And some people can, can get on them and say, well, no, it's really the Holy Spirit. Well, in a sense, yeah, it is the Holy Spirit, but it's the Holy Spirit representing Christ. And it's just like when Christ told his disciples, if you have seen me, you have seen the Father. So even though that's the mystery here, even though the Father and the Son are different, Jesus said, if you have seen me, you've seen the Father. The Father is in me, and I am in the Father. And the same is true of the Holy Spirit and the Son. And so, yes, it's the Holy Spirit that does this stuff that we talked about here. But as the Holy Spirit comes in, it's tantamount to saying Christ lives in us. And Paul will say that often. He says, Christ in you, the hope of glory. So, um, you, you can say it either way, okay? All right? Don't feel bad if... if well, that's it. That's Colossians 1.27. To them God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Okay, so answer that question. All right. Um, so let's talk about, let's talk about this guy here. So the rest of the time we're going to be talking about the after, okay? Because that's the rest of our lives. And that's the church, and that's all kinds of stuff. So um, to, to get at this, look at how I headed this up. The after. The main workshop of the Holy Spirit is what? So if the main tool of the Holy Spirit is the Word of God, His purpose is to glorify Christ, what's the workshop? The body of Christ, the church, okay? That's his main workshop. That's where he does his work, man. That doesn't mean he doesn't do stuff out there, but his main workshop is the church, the body of Christ. So um, we're going we're gonna to look at 1 Corinthians 12 um, to talk a lot about this. So I don't know if we'll get through this tonight or not, and that's okay. Um, it's, a good, it's a good topic. So Turned to 1 Corinthians 12. We'll be there for a while. And why is that? Because 1 Corinthians 12, um, thanks to all the garbage that was going on in the, in the Corinthian church with spiritual gifts and everything, um, we get this great teaching, like nowhere else in the New Testament, on how the church works in terms of the spirit and the spiritual gifts. So... Thank you, Corinthian Church, for all your craziness because that's, that's where we got this stuff. Um, all right, so um, first let's read a couple verses to get the big picture. So somebody read uh, verse 13. And then read verse 27. <clears throat> okay, so here's the question. So besides being born again when we accept Christ um, um, and becoming ch children of God, what else does the Spirit do to those who believe in Christ, according to these verses? Makes us one with each other in what? 
He calls us the body of Christ. He makes you a member of the body of Christ. So right here, you are born again as a child of God, and you become a member of the body of Christ, okay? I don't know if you knew that or not, but you do. It just happens, you know? Whether you're a member of any church or not, uh, that's another question of officially church. You are a member of the body of Christ as soon as you believe, okay? All right? Um, So, um, now, I want you to think about the significance of that name, the body of Christ. It's not the only name that Paul gives the church, but it's, it's probably the main one that he uses, and he has more explanation about what that is than any of the other names. What, just the name itself, what does this say to you? We are the body of Christ. What does that mean? Think about the implications of that. Meant to be functional. Okay, yeah, yeah. The body of Christ, the church in its spiritual sense, of which fathom hopefully is a good representation, um, the body of Christ. You see, Jesus, we know that Jesus, after he rose from the dead, what happened then? He rose from the dead after three days. Then what happened? He appeared, right, over a period of a few weeks. And then what happened? Then he went up into heaven, right? Okay, he ascended into heaven. So he's no longer here in the body. So if somebody wants to hear the words of Jesus, where do they, where do they hear it? The body of Christ. If somebody needs to feel the, the hug of Christ, where's that supposed to happen? How's that supposed to happen? He's not here. How does that happen? If, 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 the, if, if, if what God wants to get to people, the salvation that Christ came to bring needs to get to Rwanda, how's that going to happen? Okay. Um, we are the body of Christ. So that's why I say, that's a, that's a, that's a heavy-duty term. That's why I say it's the main workshop of the Holy Spirit. If the Holy Spirit's purpose is to glorify Christ and we are the body of Christ, this is where he works. This is where he works. He wants the people of God to work together to manifest Christ, to be Christ in, in word, in action, in feeling, in feet, in hands, uh, in heart, in attitude. He wants us to be Christ to the world. And so he left us here to do that. He's not here to do that physically. We are the ones that are supposed to do that. So that's why Paul calls us, the Bible calls us, the body of Christ. I think it's an amazing term. We are the body of Christ. One of my prayers, when I pray for Fathom, I pray, God, help us really to function as the body. We are the body of Christ, but help us to function 
really like the body of Christ. In fact, that was, that was the mission statement of our ministry in Rwanda, to help the church in Rwanda function as the body of Christ. So um, that's, that's an important term. Um, so now let's read uh, verses 4 through 11 of, of this chapter. Um, somebody read that. Um, yeah, be, first, first, um, let, let's look at verse 7, just as kind of a, um, a starting place, and then we'll read the, the rest of um, 4 through 11. But let's read verse 7. Somebody read verse 7. For the common good, okay? Um, this, this really short little verse is a good summary of what spiritual gifts are all about, okay? So if you want to memorize a verse about the spiritual gifts, memorize this one. So um, let, let's just look at it. It says, um, let me find it in here. Um, to each is given. So, who has a spiritual gift? To each, okay? Everybody's got one. Okay, at this point, you are made a member of the body of Christ. In other words, you have a function to fulfill in the body of Christ, and that's what the spiritual gifts are, okay? We'll talk about that in a minute, but okay, so each, to each, okay? Um, to each is given. How do we receive these things? How do we get a spiritual gift? It's just given. Yeah, you, you, you don't go to seminary to get it. Um, you don't, what's that? You could learn like, you know, yeah. Um, you can't get it from the bishop or whoever. Um, it's given to you by the Spirit of God. Okay, it's given to you by the Spirit of God, all right? Um, as he wills, it says elsewhere. Um, so he's looking you over and saying, let's give John this gift, okay? Let's give Daniel this one, okay? Now, elsewhere it says we can pray, we can pray that the, that the, that the Spirit would give us gifts, certain gifts, and that, that's, that's legitimate too, but it's something that God gives. It's not something that you can go to school for or work up to or decide, well, I want to have this spiritual gift, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go to a school or I'm going to go to this seminar, and they're going to help me to know to get that gift, okay? Um, all right. Um, to each is given the manifestation of the Spirit. So what do you make of that? What does that mean? A manifestation of this. What's a manifestation? Just in general, what does that word mean? Revelation? Hmm? Manifestation. A manifestation is... Um, 
something that you don't normally see that is made sensible. Okay? The manifestation of my love is the roses that I might bring. Okay? The manifestation of my anger is my yelling. Okay? So it's, it's, it's the, the seeable, touchable experiencing of something that otherwise remains unseen or untouchable. Okay? That's a manifestation. All right? Okay, a demonstration. Yep, yep, all right. Manifestation, a demonstration. Okay, so um, what, this, what this means is that um, it's through the spiritual gifts that we know that the church is this church, that there's a spirit working in this church. I mean, you don't know that otherwise. Otherwise, it's just a human organization. But spiritual gifts make you realize, oh, there's something spiritual going on here. There's spiritual stuff being manifested through something that looks like God, that looks like Christ, that looks like his work that's coming out of these people. Okay? Um, manifestation of the Spirit. The Spirit is there. Um, in the church, and then for the common good. So what's the purpose of spiritual gifts? It's for the church, yep. It's for the body of Christ. So we've been, we've, we've been given a gift. It's for the use of the body of Christ. It's not to make us wonderful people or um, amazing people, you know. It's, it's to help the body of Christ function and be the body of Christ. That's what the spiritual gifts are all about. Okay. So that's what it says here. That's just, that's a good summary in that one little verse, verse 7. Um, so let's read it again. It says, um, so to each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. Okay. Um, all right. Now let's read, with that in mind, let's read verses 4 through 11. And just, just here's some of the stuff. As we read through it, just pick out in your mind some of the other things that Paul tells us about spiritual gifts in these verses and, and uh, just pop them out there um, when we're done reading, okay? Um, somebody read for us, 4 through 11. Okay, all right, so what are, the, what are some other things that we learn about spiritual gifts um, in these verses? Now, later on, we'll, we'll look at a list of some of these spiritual gifts, so, so we'll put that aside. You know, he lists some of them, and we'll, we'll talk about that in, in a minute. But um, 
What does he say in general about this, the working of the Spirit, spiritual gifts, um, what they mean? Um, what kind of things have you pulled out of these verses? Okay, they're different for everyone. Okay, so that's the two sides of the coin. Um, there's many, um, many different ways that the Spirit works in people's lives to make it the body of Christ work, um, but it's all from the same Spirit, okay? And, you know, if we want to go back with the same Spirit that has that same main tool, that has that same main purpose, okay? Um, yeah, okay. What else? Anything else you pick up in there? And um, just notice, I mean, it, it kind of is implied in here, but notice um, verse 6, there are varieties of activities, but it's the same God who empowers them all in everyone. So there's a God power in spiritual gifts. So even though there's sometimes, some people say, well, what's the difference between a talent, natural talent, and a spiritual gift? Well, sometimes they overlap. But in a spiritual gift, there's a spiritual dynamic that's beyond the natural, okay? Um, um, my, the, the, way I, the way I think of it is a spiritual gift has a spiritual impact. You can be a teacher and not have the spiritual gift of teaching. Well, what's the difference? A, a teacher with the spiritual gift of teaching, his teaching has a spiritual impact. Um, so, um, so that's important too. All right. Um, so having studied these basic truths, what, what would you, what's your, what would be a def, good definition of a spiritual gift? I've got one. I'll, it's, it's there. It's, it's you got to fill it in. But before we give you the fill-ins there, how would you define a spiritual gift in terms of what we've studied? Something that glorifies Christ. That's a good part of it. Yep. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's really close to what I've got here. Yep. Uh, here, here's how I would fill this in. It's an ability, okay? So it's an ability. A spiritual gift is an ability. Um, a Christian, of course, is given. Um, an ability, a Christian is given by the Holy Spirit to do an essential work 
to do an essential work of the body of Christ. Okay? So to put together what Paul has said here and in other, other places too, um, that's kind of the gist of it. So it's an ability a Christian is given by the Holy Spirit to do essential an essential to do an essential, a certain essential work of the body of Christ. Okay? So it's it's something that helps when they all work together, it makes this happen. It makes that happen, you know. Um, so you can't do this by yourself. I mean, all of us are supposed to be growing in Christ's likeness, but there's something about the fact that to really manifest that word again, to the world, Christ, who is no longer with us, it takes the body of Christ, not just you by yourself. That's why the church is so important, okay? Um, and why we need to live our Christian lives in the context of the body of Christ. There's something missing. There's something drastically wrong when we think we can live the Christian life um, by ourselves, not in the body of Christ. So um, it's all this stuff going together, all right? Um, let's, um, um, let me see, what do we got here? Do I want to do one more little verse part here? Um, yeah, let's just do this, and then then First Corinthians... Let's look, let's look at 12 through 26. Um, there's just two basic points here. Um, there's there's one, one basic point in verses 12 through 20, and then another basic point in verses 21 through 26. And they're kind of like two sides of a coin. They're related. So that gives you a little hint. See if you can pick them out. So um, somebody read 12 through 20. Um, what's, what's, what's the main point Paul's making in 12 through 20. Somebody read that. So, what, do you th- what, what one point stands out to you as you read that? Okay. 
Okay, yeah. And, and the, the, because of the issues that were going on in the Corinthian church, he's particularly dealing with the, with the idea of, of, of jealousies or feeling like I'm second class because I'm a toe. You know? I want to be an eye. I'm just a toe. And so you feel second class. And he's saying, no, you don't have, you know. So, so he paints this, this ridiculous picture. So he's got this great big eye sitting here. Just an eye, you know. Doesn't have any legs. Doesn't have a mouth. Doesn't have anything. It's just a big eye. He said, what good is that? This big eye sitting here. Yeah, I can see, but it's useless. Can't speak. It can't tell you what it's, can't think. It can't do anything. It's just an eye. He said, well, that's how ridiculous it is to say, well, I want to be that. No. The, the, the eye needs the feet because the eye isn't going to get from here to out there to see what's going on out there if you're not the feet, you know? And... Um, so he's just, he's just painting this, this crazy picture. Just great big ear, you know? What's, what good is a great big ear? You know, so don't, don't envy each other. Just realize you, whatever gift God has given you, it might be as a toe, might be as an eye, might be as an ear, might be as a finger or a knee, whatever it is, it's essential. It's essential. So don't go around being jealous. And so... Um, no one should um, feel inferior or belittle himself or herself because of the gift that he or she has. All right? That's the main point in these verses. So read 21 through 26. It's similar, but a little bit different twist on it. 21 through 26. Somebody read that. All right, so what do you see? What's a, what's a big point that he's making there? It's kind of similar to the one he just made, but a little bit different. Okay, yep. So he's, he's talking from the other side. In the earlier verse, he's talking about the person that feels small because of his or her gift and is looking down on himself or herself. In this one, he's talking about the person who has what they think is a great gift, a big gift, and is looking down on the people who have lesser gifts. And he says, no. Again, we need each other. And if one you might be the head, 
But when you hit your finger with a hammer, the whole body feels it. Okay? Um, so care for each other. And if that leg gets infected, you're going to die too, head. You know? So take care of each other. Don't just think you're some big shot. Care about each other. So that's, that's the other side. So he's talking about two sides. He's talking about the people who feel like their gifts are small and, and, and feeling bad about themselves and are envious of those that have big special gifts or something like that. And um, he said, no, no. And then he's talking to the other side. He's talking about the people that have the big flashy gifts and um, uh, that, that would tend to look down on the people that don't have those kind of gifts. Or, or maybe somebody has three or four gifts and somebody only has one. Um, he says, no, we care for each other because we're all part of the body and we live or die together and we function together. And if, if that part that you call, if your foot is cut off, I don't care what part of the body you are, you're going to have trouble as a body. So, um, so that's the point he's making, all right? So, um, so this is how the church should work, all right? Lessons for the church. We, we hope that's, you know, so when I, when I pray for Fathom, may it function as the body of Christ. This is what I'm praying. This is a picture I have in my mind, this kind of thing, you know? So, um, and let's not miss the basic point so far. That which Jesus wants to give to and work in the body he does through its members by means of the gifts of the Spirit. Okay? Gifts of Spirit are really important. I don't think we talk about them enough. Um, okay, so that's good. Let's, let's call it quits there. I want to give you um, just a few minutes. Write down, everybody just um, look back over your notes. Write down one or two takeaways. Um, uh, if there's something that was that you want to remember or something that um, was encourage, encouraging to you. And so I want to write that down because that was really encouraging to me. And I want it to, to continue to encourage me. Something that was maybe convicting or something you might want to do. Maybe it was like, you know, I could really beef up the way I pray for our, my non-Christian friends in, in light of what we study. You know, it might be something like that. Write something down, one, two, three things, whatever you've got. I'll give you five minutes or so to do that before we close out here. <clears throat>
Anybody want to share anything while we wrap up? Thank you. That's good. Anybody else want to just say a word before we close? Mm-hmm. Yeah, good. And we'll talk about we'll talk about some of those gifts, what they are, and and uh, some tips on how do I know how do I know what my gift might be. You know, we'll talk about some of that. Anybody else? My job, my calling, yeah. Yeah. All right, well, let's pray. Lord God, we thank you again for the Holy Spirit and this chance to just talk about um, that amazing gift. I mean, the, the, he's, he's the gift, um, the seal, the, the, the deposit, the, the down payment, um, which is you yourself uh, in the Holy Spirit. And we just thank you for that. And, and then thank you that he... Um, enables us, gives us abilities, each one, um, to do something significant um, that, that is a benefit to you and a benefit to your people. What, what, a, what a great thing that is. And um, just help us as we continue to study this stuff to, um, to learn more about the amazing Holy Spirit and how we can better live with him and for him. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, thanks, you guys.